Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're going to be talking about influencing yield right now in your cornfields. But I'll just uh, I'll just tell you this: even if you don't raise corn, a lot of the things we're going to talk about apply to every crop out there. If you've got any questions for us, or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm right now, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can send me a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. So my brother Darren's out for the next few days here, and uh, I'll be by myself, I think, in the studio. So again, I'd love to take your phone call if, if uh, you'd like to talk about Anything that is happening in your operation, I'll just tell you what's going on in our farm. A couple of things today. So we've got probably 300 acres to plant yet out of 3,000. So I feel pretty good. And 100 acres of it, we are hopefully going to till today. (laughs) Now, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. So so I told our guys, I realize this isn't going to look like what we normally go into where I tell you to do tillage because you're going to say, well, it looks a little bit damp yet, Brian. (laughs) I don't care. It's June 10th. We're going to get across it as best we can. We're going to try to throw some beans in there because every day that we go now, we're losing yield potential. We can still get pretty darn good soybeans raised at this point. I'm still counting on 50 or 60 bushel beans. It's not the 70 or 80 I would normally expect, you know, when we're planting in May, but still... 50 or 60 bushel beans. I think the soybean price is going to get a lot better, especially after some of the next few crop reports that will come out. But anyway, that's what's happening in in terms of our fields. I will tell you also, uh, so I've got high school kids, and then there are, of course, some other high school kids that are friends with my kids. So I've got some of them helping me right now because we are going through old records on our farm. My dad passed away a couple of years or a couple of months ago, and since then, I, I have to go through a lot of his old stuff. And then, anyway, we we just we've had boxes of stuff around. We have old records. I've got some from uh, the 1970s yet. And yes, my dad was a hoarder. He kept everything, which you know to some degree is good. But anymore, here's the reason why I'm bringing this up to you. Your old records are valuable, so I would encourage you, scan them. That's what we're doing, and I've been working on this over a period of years. I'm just, I'm going to get the last of this stuff done now this summer, so literally I will have everything scanned. But in a year like this year, for example, you have probably heard me talking on the radio for the last couple of months about 1993. Well, I can pull up right on my phone 1993, and I got all my farm records. It's amazing. So what I use is Dropbox, and there are other... Uh, cloud-based services. But the thing about any of those types of services is basically when I scan something, then I'll put it in folders in this Dropbox and it will save automatically to the cloud and also to all of my computers. So I have hard copy of it on my computers, on my hard drives, but I also have it in the cloud. And then I have access to it on my phone. So anywhere I am, I, you know, somebody will say something about our records or our yields or whatever. I can, I can pull it up. I've got it. It's awesome. So anyway, I would encourage you to do that. If you get yourself organized and spend some time, I mean, yes, you probably don't want to do this in the summertime. Uh, I just did it because I've got cheap help right now. <laughs> but in the wintertime, you know, when you're looking for something to do on the farm, 
scan your old records in and save it to Dropbox or some other service like that, you will be thankful that you did later on. Okay, uh, next thing. I was going to tell you about this, uh, this corn yield thing and influencing corn yield now. I got a quick story for you. So a few years ago, my brother Darren went to hear a crop consultant speak because this crop consultant did a lot of work with Herman Warsaw years ago. If you're not familiar with Herman Warsaw, he was the uh, national yield champion for corn many years in the 1970s. He was consistently raising 300 bushel corn in the 1970s in Illinois. Think about that kind of yield. 350 years ago, or almost 50 years ago. So anyway, this consultant said, so Darren came back and he goes, okay, Brian, here's the best story that I have. This consultant, the first day he ever met Herman Warsaw, he'd heard about him, knew about him, went to go call on him, and he shows up at Herman Warsaw's door in summertime and knocks on the door and Herman's wife answers. And so this crop consultant goes, "Um, yeah, I was wondering if Herman's around. And the wife kind of rudely goes, well, no, why why would he be here? He's like, um, I don't know. Doesn't he live here? She goes, well, he sleeps here. He lives in his cornfields. And the number one thing I'm going to tell you today about influencing your yield right now in corn is to spend time in your corn. How many hours a week are you spending in your corn fields? And that was what Herman Warsaw did. That was what Francis Childs did. He was the uh, yield champion and the world record holder in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Talk to any of the high yield guys today. They spend time in their fields. That's the number one thing. But yes, then in addition to that, there are lots of things we can do. Analytics. You can tissue test and soil test when it comes to all the crop protection things. you got to control the weeds, the insects, diseases. We'll talk today a little about fertilizer. It's not just the leachables, nitrogen, sulfur, and boron. You can think about magnesium. We had a an extension agent from Wisconsin on the show just two or three weeks ago talking about magnesium and how they'd gained 30 bushels spraying magnesium sulfate in light soils. Because I don't think of magnesium as a big problem, but I have heavy soil and I have lots of clay. Well, if you have light soil and not much clay, you probably are already short on magnesium. And then when it when you get tremendous rains like this year, well, guess what? Some of your magnesium moves down. Maybe that's something you should use. Should you be doing some foliar products? Should be, you be throwing some fulvic acid in or Nutex or something with your, your foliar products to make them work a little better? How about biologicals? How about plant growth hormones? You see where I'm going with this. I mean, I'm excited because there are a lot of things you can do. I'm not saying you have to do all these or that all these will make money on your farm, but I am saying you do need to consider all these things And maybe you'll see a need for one or more of these things if you spend time out in your cornfields. So today we're going to talk about influencing yield right now in corn and other crops. So stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Hey, Jimmy, any ideas for increasing corn yield? Rise up. Oh, I get up early and work hard. Rise up. Exactly. I could use faster growth, bigger ears, higher yield. Rise up. If only my yield could rise a few bushels. Rise up. Okay, Jimmy, I'm going to rise up. Yeah, let's rise up. His name says it all. Help your corn rise up to its potential with Rise Up Plant Growth Regulator from Valent USA Corporation. Ask your retailer about Rise Up. Rise up to a higher yield. Make more money from each field. Rise up. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy 2 Save 3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. If you're like most dry bean growers, you don't go 30 seconds without thinking about the damaging effects of white mold. So let us spend the next 30 seconds telling you about Topsin fungicide from UPL. Topsin is a leading brand used by growers. Why? Because season after season, Topsin delivers superior protection and complete peace of mind. In short, Topsin works. So don't spend your time thinking about white mold. Spend your time controlling it. To get Topsin, call your UPL representative or distributor. Read and follow label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, live in the Morton studio. Today we're going to be talking about influencing yield right now in corn, but same things apply in other crops as well. I was mentioning right before the break, I want you to think about weeds, insects, diseases. Also think about fertility, biologicals possibly, plant growth hormones. All these things can and often are important can be and often are important for your crop. So let's start on the fertilizer thing. When it comes to influencing your, your your yield right now in terms of fertility, and I don't care what crop we're talking about, corn, soybeans, wheat, anything that there is, what we really do encourage you to do is even though it's in season and you might say, well, I already did soil testing last fall or maybe really early this spring, I would encourage you consider doing some soil testing again. More than anything right now, what I'm looking at is nitrate tests, pre-side dress nitrate tests. And you can do this basically for any crop that's going to need nitrogen. And I'm going to take it one step further. I want you to think about your soybean crop or your any legume crop that's on wetter ground this year. So for example, on our farm, we've got some river bottom ground that got flooded out. I mean, literally there was water standing on it for a month or two. Okay. When that happens, what happens to the biological activity down below. Well, you kill a lot of it. There's The oxygen's gone, so a lot of those microbes are dead. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because even though normally we don't put much nitrogen on soybeans, guess what? This year on those acres, we are. We're throwing out 50 pounds. I might even throw out 100 pounds on some of that stuff. So I just want you maybe thinking a little bit differently than you normally would if you've had really adverse and unusual conditions on your farm. All right, uh, so to begin the show here today, we've got a fantastic corn farmer from down south from Alabama. It is Chad Henderson. Chad will be at our Ag PhD Field Day coming up here next month. That's Thursday, July 25th. We'd love to have you join us for that as well. Uh, Chad, how you doing today? Do we have him on there? All right, there we go. Hey, Chad, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How y'all doing? Excellent. 
So uh, I, it, it's funny that uh, you, you're on the show today because I just got a couple of pictures from your farm, from our research lead, Glenn, and he said you planted some corn eight days ago. Uh, you probably know the pictures I'm talking about. And your corn looks as tall as my corn does that I planted a month and a half ago. So <laughs> he, he, he said I was going to catch the, 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 the high-yield plots. He said I was going to catch it. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so anyway, we're talking today about influencing yield right now in corn. And I, I mean, I'm sure you have corn at all different stages, but what are yeah. some of the things you're thinking about right now out in your fields? Uh, well, you know, we have some corn. Our first corn is we're at somewhere around 1,250 GDU. So yep. that was planted, say, the 25th, 26th of March. And yep. so we're just, we're trying to keep the water to it. And, um, we just went, we sprayed right before that with early fungicide, somewhere around a thousand GDU, we go with a fungicide and then we come back at brown silt with a fungicide. So, you know, that instead of the nitrate is about, is about it on that corn. Now, this other corn that I'm trying, you know, behind wheat, we, we're, yep. we're right in the middle of our wheat harvest. And so we planted some corn last Sunday evening on some wheat ground. And just, just to try it, see how much I would have in it, see if it would work, see how hot it would get at pollination, yeah, and and go from there. So it'll be a whole different process. Yeah, so a lot of people will talk about planting soybeans after wheat. Were you concerned at all about disease issues? You know, it's a one grass crop wheat to another grass crop corn? Yeah, yes, we're, um, we're, we're worried about disease. Uh, we don't know, you know, we... Uh, in northern Alabama here, we don't really have a real big problem with disease, say, the way they do in South Alabama or South Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear Randy talk about a lot of times, spraying four or five times, you know, fungicides yeah. and things. Yep. But we don't have that We don't have that big a disease pressure. Now, this, this here is going to be a whole different ballgame. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm expecting to spray it the same way, and that's really what I'm trying to learn. You know, I don't have the 20 acres. You know, it's not going to spray sure. us either way. Yeah. But we're wanting to know what would happen, what if, what if. You know, I'm looking at the corn markets down here, you know, and I'm looking at things <laughs> going on up north yep. and the bean market, and I'm just keep planting corn. Yep. A lot of people so, feel uh, the same way. Honestly, I kind of hope that happens because what that's going to mean is way less soybean acres. We already know they're going to be a lot less. Yeah. But if it's right. way less soybean acres, well, then the soybean price is going to come up too. So exactly. hopefully we're going to win exactly. either way. Uh, okay, so you, you talked about the nitrate just briefly. You've got lighter soil there. How many times Correct. are you applying nitrogen during the course of the growing season? Uh, on our irrigated corn, you know, our dryland corn is a different different animal. But our yep. irrigated corn, where we're controlling the weather yep. as much as possible except for the heat, will apply uh, uh, at least three up to five according to which soils we're going on and which irrigation system it is. How uh, we'll, we'll, we'll apply with a planter. Yep. And then we'll also, you know, and then we'll apply again at side dress. We'll do an early side dress, and then we'll do a side dress again at, say, V8. Yep. And then we'll come back uh, somewhere around Tassel with our first application with a irrigation system. Sure. So how so how light is your soil? What's your CEC? Uh, somewhere around, it's it's 7 to 9. Yeah, okay. Uh, I guess a lot, that's on average. It'll average probably 8. It'll average around 8. You know, we have a little bit of soil that's around 5 to 6, but yeah. most of it's 7 to 9. 
Yeah, so it's not crazy sandy, but it's, it's still pretty light. light. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, a lot of it's pretty light. Yeah, our farm probably averages twenty, I would say, maybe eighteen <laughs> to twenty, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, and we've got exactly. some we've got some ground that's forty. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah they're yeah, like start, start a year ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, okay, so you, you also mentioned fungicide. In, in the northern United States, if we do spray fungicide, we're spraying, you know, many people are spraying once and that's it. There just aren't, yeah. there isn't as much disease pressure. The growing season is much so- shorter and we're not seeing as many resistance issues. But I wanted to ask right. you, you're talking about, okay, you're spraying twice and there are people to the south of you that might be spraying more often than that. Are you really concerned about uh, resistance issues? Have you seen any of that? Uh, no, I haven't. It, it really hasn't concerned me on the resistance issue part of it. Uh, we're just basically trying to stay ahead of it. We know we have a pretty good corn crop going with the irrigators, you know, in, in that aspect of it. Yeah. So we're really just trying to stay ahead of it and try to keep the disease before it hits. We need a good, healthy plant. And we're trying to push that plant, too, you know, in the state green part of it. Um, because a lot of these, you know, where we have irrigated corn, you know, it's, you know, it's going to average, it's going to average 260 to 280, you know, yeah. and, and then it's going to be, you know, up to, towards 320. So we know we got a good 290, 300 bushel crop going, and you know it's just a little bit of, I guess you would say, insurance. Okay, so uh, that's really good yield, obviously, but I'm sure you're thinking, boy, I see some of these other guys <laughs> raising more than 300 bushel corn. Mm-hmm. What what do you, what else are you trying this year? Anything new and different to try to get to that next yield level? <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything. Um, we're, we're playing with our K our potassium this year a lot yep uh, we've learned some things we've had some had some really good really good experiences this year and really good data on our cake play with a boron as well really really trying to move the needle with a boron as well so um those are those are two that we've been able to move the needle on you know i'm stuck i've talked about move the needle i've had one tissue sample that every sample i've moved the needle up so that was real you know as a lot of people may not be a deal to them as much but it was a real accomplishment for me because i haven't been able to do that you know so every tissue sample you know a lot of times you get 600 800 gdus and this thing's headed south and all you're doing trying to do is stop it just right. stop it from going south yep. well we ain't been able to move it up 30 to 40 numbers per sample you know so that was that was an accomplishment i feel like yeah uh potassium and especially boron i, I mean boron's Correct. leachable uh potassium Correct. is somewhat leachable because like in i don't consider it much leachable on my farm but for you yeah it's going to move down when you get a little bit lighter soil and a lot more rain and then on a bunch of it you're irrigating as well so no i i can definitely see that and, it gets to be a challenge and, and us down here you know and it's, it's kind of a clay-based soil and we'll have you know we may have four to six hundred parts per million in a soil test can we still show deficiency yeah you know, and so that, you know, we've got to have another form. Yep. You know, so just, yeah. the days of going out there and just throwing fertilizer out on top of the ground, let's just plant a crop, you know, you, you need to address what issues you have. Yep, I'm with you. Well, again, we've been talking to Chad Henderson. If you'd like to see him, come to the Ag PhD Field Day next month. Chad, thanks for the time today. Really appreciate yes, it. Sir. We, yep. Yes, sir. Good to talk to you all. You bet. Thanks. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Foliar sprays are only effective if you can get applied product into the plant. Nutex EDA is a micronutrient-based additive that delivers the foliar absorption boost you've been looking for. 
Nutex EDA supports rapid penetration and translocation of both nutrients and systemic crop protection within plants. Research trials have shown a 10 to 20% increase in nutrient absorption and higher tissue levels for a longer period, resulting in higher yields. Use Nutex EDA this season with all your foliar applications. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast-acting, broad-spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans, and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like water hemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit BattleWeeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! Interested in strip tillage? You should know about the Soil Warrior from ETS. With one pass efficiency, optimized nutrient placement, and reduced production costs for higher profitability, the Soil Warrior brings the future to your farm. Visit SoilWarrior.com to learn more. Avoid the V-shaped pattern of injury caused by chemical buildup in your booms. The Express end cap from Hypro eliminates the dead ends that lead to herbicide buildup and provides easy access to your booms, giving a complete flush between applications. Hypro, helping you spray better. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Thanks for joining us today. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. This is Ag PhD Radio. We're talking today about influencing yield right now in corn, or other crops for that matter. And if you've got any questions for us or anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm right now, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can send me an email, radio at agphd.com, or find me on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. All right, so next on the show, we've got Matt Swanson. He's calling in from the state of Illinois. Uh, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Brian. How are you? Well, uh, I'm doing a lot better now that we can get to most of our ground. Just, I mean, we're, we're eventually going to get it all planted. It might be July, but we'll, we'll eventually get it all planted. How is it on your farm and in your area? Well, uh, you said you were talking about influencing uh 
yield. I uh, am trying to influence yield right now by getting it out of the bag. Uh, yep. Down. We're about halfway done. We've had uh, a long weekend with a lot of little breakdowns that just take a lot of time. So we haven't made a whole lot of progress last week. Okay, uh, at what point will you say, nope, I'm done, I'm taking prevent plant or, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm just, I'm not planting the ground anymore? I would say on corn, we're within a couple of days of that. I yeah. kind of told myself that today was kind of the last day, uh, it's kind of initially what I planned, and we'll get close uh, to that, you know, maybe tomorrow, but in the next day or two on corn, I would say, and beans, we probably are another few weeks. I mean, we actually yeah. planted beans. Uh, some beans July 13th last year and they made 40 bushel and we didn't have a heck of a lot invested in them so I guess that you know it's it's feasible anyway Uh, okay so if it's planted on time and the year is good what would you normally expect out of a corn crop what I'm after is if you plant today what do you expect and if you would plant normally on time what do you expect I would say you know in a normal year uh, with the very ground that we have, we'd be looking at an APH somewhere in the 240s to 250s, whole farm average. Yep. Um, we don't have a lot of experience planting in June, but coincidentally, I had one field last year that there was new that was very, very wet that needs to be tiled, but uh, just wasn't. And uh, we planted it May 31st and June 1st last year. And uh, it would be better dirt. So I would call that was probably off 10% planted June 1st. Uh, I would say at this point we're probably off another 10%. I realize it's only 10 days, but it's 10 days in June. So right. I would say at this point we're probably off another 10%, so somewhere in that 20% uh, range, I would say. Yeah. Um, the, uh, we basically are about ready to shut her down on corn, too. I switched my last two full fields. I had two beans. All we're doing is doing a little patch-up work on corn. We get a few acres just to fill in, and it's a lot easier to just fill in with corn rather than try to spray beans in the middle of corn fields. We've done that before, and that's not a whole lot of fun. But, yeah, I'm with you. At this point, I feel like I'm going to lose at least 20%. Um, I might even go as far as 30% right now, but on soybeans, I, right. I you know, I, I, I feel pretty good. We, we've moved our maturity down a little bit, uh, cause we get some early frost sometimes in the fall, especially on our low river bottom type ground. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm exactly with you. I mean, for most guys, I think they're still thinking another week or two weeks on beans, corn. A lot of guys are about ready to wrap up. I've, I've seen a couple farmers lately that I always kind of see at this time of year when, everybody else is done. They're the last guys. And I'm usually talking to them about, you know, what they're doing in their farms. Well, I saw both of those guys in the last few days. So <laughs> I know about everybody's ready to wrap things up, you know? Uh, okay. So I probably talked to four or five guys in the last week that have, that have called it on corn already and yep. because they got, they got another rain or something yep. that was going to put them out and push them too far. So it's definitely happening. Okay. So let's talk about the stuff that did get planted, you know, relatively on time or, or near. I, I mean, we have to, well, the markets are already up and we have to expect they're going to go up even more. So when you see that, uh, what, what, what are the first things where you go, well, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but now I think I will. I think I'm going to push this on my corn. Well, I think that, okay. So that's that mentality right there is probably the first thing. Like you have to understand that this, this, the corn's probably going to be worth something. Yep. Uh, and we have to say, you know what, if it's worth another 10 or 20% more dollars per bushel, then we need to, we still need to maximize bushels. I think right. the thing that bothers me the most is like, well, it's planted in June, so we're not going to do this and we're not going to do this. Yep. And we're going to throw that out. And I, while I understand it, I mean, I, I get it, 
Uh, you hate to spend money on something like that, but you have to run the numbers and you have to be about the economics. So right. we're going to stick with the most part. And, and I've had this conversation on a couple occasions with some other guys from around the country. And for the most part at this point, we're going to stick with our normal plan. Uh, yes, it's June, but we don't want to hamper the corn in any way by not doing something that we would have done anyway or normally would have done. Uh, so we're going to, you know, if, if our corn is, Around the V3 stage, we're going to be making our micronutrient applications. We're going to be uh, managing our weeds just like we would normal, normally manage. I mean, right now, outside of having different acres that I was planning than I was planning originally, uh, our our playbook, I guess, is in one way. It really hasn't changed. The only thing that may have changed is that we will pull back some of our total applications because we feel like the mineralization and utilization will be better at this point than it would have been if it was planted earlier. Yeah, and but see, we're not uh, we're not changing the playbook. I guess is, is the yeah. I you the know we we've talked about that a little bit on the show here over the last couple of weeks. I've had people, uh, that, you know, thinking both ways in that mineralization thing that you just brought up. See, my theory on this is. I think we're going to have less mineralization this year because usually we have warmer temps and especially warmer soil temps. Uh, I was telling the story last week about a farmer in, um, let's call it uh, east or sorry, west central Iowa, and he found a big chunk of ice under a dirt pile yet last week. Just last week. Oh uh, yeah. And, yeah. And I know even on our farm, guys were hitting ice not very long ago. And so with the, the temp that cold, I just think there's going to be less mineralization that happens. Not much, but a little bit less. And then the other side of it, you just mentioned, okay, if I planted last year, May 31st, my yield is off 10%. Today, I'm expecting off 20 The one nutrient that uh, it doesn't really stick around from year to year is nitrate. And so I know like on our farm for the late planting, that's what I'm thinking about is, you know, everything else I want to do, I just, I have a tough time spending money on full nitrogen. I might cut back a little on nitrogen because I think my yield's going to be off a little bit on the late planting, not the early planting, but the late planting. What do you, are you going to do that at all? Uh, we'll probably, we'll probably cut back some. Yeah. Um, we honestly just started planting corn last week, so. I don't really have any early planets oh. that late in the later planet. Gotcha. Uh, so, but we'll pull back some. I mean, you know, realistically, we've got some fields set aside that that we think are in good condition, and we're going to push those just to try to learn something um, in case this ever does happen again. Let's hope it doesn't. In case it does. Yep. Uh, but we're probably going to pull back somewhere in the neighborhood of of uh, twenty to thirty pounds. Um, sure. But that's, you know, as a percentage of yield, it's probably still pretty close to that uh, 0. 0.6 to 0. 0.8, depending on the field. So 0. 0.6 to 0. 0.8 pounds per, per bushel is expected. Are you uh, doing it? Are you doing anything, Matt, on your farm with biologicals, plant growth hormones? I mean, anything kind of out of the ordinary? Uh, we use uh, some humic and fulvic acid combinations. We yep. use a couple of biologicals. Um, we have talked about experimenting with a... Uh, a product that um, has nitrogen, so has some uh, bacteria that takes nitrogen out of the air. Yeah. We've talked about experimenting with that, um, but we haven't uh, pulled the trigger on that one because it's relatively expensive. Um, but there's a lot of little things that we're trying, nothing that um, would break the bank, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. And, but nothing that, um, I don't think anything that's, that's that out there, you know. You know. 
Yeah, we have a lot more people that are talking, like you, like you said, humics, fulvics. Uh, it's interesting you brought up that biological that fixes nitrogen. I, we've got one that we started working with a little last year. We're going to do more of that this year, I know. Uh, and it's like I tell guys all the time, I'm not expecting 50 bushels out of it or anything. All I need no. to do is yeah. is pay its way. And what I'm usually looking for on any input investment is two to one or three to one. So if I spend five bucks and I get 10 or 15 or even, I mean, 20 would be amazing. And sometimes I'll hit that. And I, I just think this year with what I believe will happen with the corn price, since a lot of us either didn't get it planted or planted late, I think we're going to have good pricing and a good opportunity. Hey, Matt, we get a run, but uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate the time. No problem. Thank you, Brent. You bet. All right. Once again, we are talking about influencing yield right now in corn. We've got a little more of that, and we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up as well here on Ag PhD Radio. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agrist specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. Sound the foghorn, because now there's a better way to control frog eye leaf spot in your soybean fields. Introducing Froghorn Fungicide from UPI. Froghorn not only has a unique name, it has two modes of action that deliver excellent disease control. With Froghorn, you get healthier soybeans and better yields at harvest time, and you won't be subject to strobe resistance. So get Froghorn and keep frog eye leaf spot quiet all season long. To learn more, contact your ag chemical dealer. Always read and follow label directions. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Waterhemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Waterhemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid can help you increase yields and crop quality. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. 
AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. We've been talking about influencing yield right now in corn. And again, I would just really encourage you spend lots of time in your field scouting, do some plant tissue analysis, do some soil testing. Those things can all be beneficial. I'll give you one tip as well on the tissue testing. The most important thing, in my opinion, that you can do is tissue test in the same spot for 8 to 12 consecutive weeks. And I realize you might say, oh my goodness, I don't have that much time or money or anything else. It is not expensive. It's roughly 20 bucks a sample, and you are going to learn a lot, I will promise you. what I, If you've never done it before, take two spots in any field. My suggestion is always a bad spot and a good spot. And if you do tissue tests for 8 to 12 weeks, after the 8 to 12 weeks, you're pretty much going to figure out why the good area is good, why the bad area is bad. The other thing is, if you see some plants that look weird, like let's say you've got yellow tops on some of the plants or something like that, just sample those plants versus some nice green looking ones and see what you find for a difference. That's another thing that's really helped us over the years. I, when I first started seeing some yellow tops on corn plants, 25 years ago, I suppose, I was thinking sulfur. Oh, this looks like sulfur. Well, as it turned out almost every single time, it was a zinc deficiency. And so then we applied zinc, problem went away, yields went up. Um, As I'm saying that, uh, let's see, I wrote an article recently for one of our magazines that we do. And I just said, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of what they call that. Uh, Fast growth syndrome. Yeah, that's what a lot of agronomists will call it. Fast growth syndrome. And I just said, Fast growth syndrome in corn is a myth. If you're seeing yellow tops in your corn plant, don't let some seed rep or or, or agronomist tell you, oh, your corn's going to grow out of it and it's going to be fine. No, you just lost 20, 30, 50 bushels, something like that. That's what really happened. And you've got to now identify, well, why did it happen? And let's not let it happen again. It's within your control most of the time. Now, granted, this year, because of Mother Nature, leaching of nutrients, sometimes maybe you didn't get your fertilizer on, didn't get it on the right way, whatever. I get all that. But I'm just trying to say we need data so we can move forward and make better decisions on the farm. Otherwise, we're just out there guessing. Um, Okay, one other thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is not corn, but this is soybeans. A lot of people right now are deciding, should I still put a seed treatment on my soybeans? My answer is absolutely you should in a lot of cases. Now, maybe not the insecticide, but definitely the fungicide, because think about it. Why are you planting your soybeans late? Is it because the ground was too dry and there's no disease? Mm, I don't think so. It's because the ground was too wet, right? So if the ground's too wet, that means that you have way more chance than normal for it to get disease. Now, that's not saying that for sure your soybean plant's going to have disease, but as farmers, we're always playing the odds. We don't know what Mother Nature's going to bring. We don't know what diseases are going to show up. We just have to play the odds. Well, when we know we're putting our our soybeans in a bad position where the ground's wet already, then we know that the odds are pretty high it's going to get disease. So protect those soybeans. I realize your yield potential, like I was saying on our farm, we're going to plant some beans today. And normally, I'm counting on 70 or 80 bushel beans. Okay, our farm average is 70. Uh, I I mean, I still think we can get 50 to 60. Well, heck, even if I got 40, you know, you think about what does a seed treatment really cost? It costs a bushel or two worth of beans. Okay. So for a bushel or two worth of beans, am I going to lose that if I have disease? Even if I only have 40 bushel yield potential? You bet I am. And don't forget that these seed treatments, they protect your seed and your young seedlings. I know that the beans might pop out of the ground in three days, but you're still getting 
benefit out of that seed treatment for usually one to two months. So that's what you got to think about. And so anyway, I'm just throwing this stuff out there because these are the questions that I'm getting very often right now from farmers. And speaking of that, uh, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, so I, I get excited almost every day when I see all these questions. Literally, I've got a hundred questions here, so I'm going to apologize. I can't get to all of them, but it's awesome. I, I the part of the reason I get excited is I just remember I was just between the break or during the break, I was thinking about, you know, when I was a young agronomist right out of college, my first year, and I get a lot of questions like these, and I'm going, boy, I kind of think I know and yep, I think I learned that and I think I've seen that before. Well, now that I've been an agronomist for 30 years, I've, I've seen a lot of these things a hundred times and I've also had people using different products and everything else. So it's just so much more fun and easy when I've got lots of experience with these things. So here's one that I don't commonly get. And this is uh, from Ryan and he said, hi guys, I've got a stink bug issue. Now this field was in a rye cover crop that was planted green. Then the rye was immediately terminated with germoxone just hours after planting. I post sprayed the field Saturday and noticed the stink bug injury. I would say three to 4% of plants have some level of feeding. And he sent me some pictures here. Uh, and yeah, I can, I can see what he's talking about. There is some level of feeding. Anyway, he said, I probably didn't do as good a job of scouting as I should, but uh, I haven't actually even seen any stink bugs out there So when I've looked at the field. So number one, what kind of yield hit am I taking? And number two, should I do something when I don't even see the bugs out there right now? Okay, so first of all, Ryan, typically with insects, we if we see them and we see them at economic threshold levels, then we go control them. Now, when you were out there spraying, you didn't have any extra cost for application. You could have thrown $2 worth of insecticide in and had it over with. But when you said this, I haven't seen them, that tells us, all right, maybe the injury already occurred. The stink bugs are now gone. And if you don't see any more stink bugs, then I don't think I'd get too worried about it. In terms of what kind of yield loss do you have? Yes, there is some feeding, but it looks pretty minor to me. One of the things you have to compare this to is hail. And there are plenty of charts out there. So go to University of Nebraska or Iowa State or something like that and, and just look up hail charts. And you will see that it takes a tremendous amount of, of leaf damage early on in the season to cause much yield loss at all. Now, the other side of that is, can there be more disease in the plant? And very often, insects will carry some disease in or just opening the plant up will mean you'll get some disease. So if it's disease also, well, then that can make things worse and that obviously lowers your economic threshold. But anyway, I won't get too worried about it at this point, but it's interesting you say the the rye. I just remember here again, I'm going back 30 years ago now, uh, one of the things I saw in Nebraska quite a bit was coming off of rye, there are a lot more wireworm issues. So, you know, everybody talks about these cover crops and the benefits that there are. And I agree, there are lots of benefits, but there are also some additional risks that you have, which number one is more insects. I can almost guarantee you, you will have more insect problems if you have something growing on that ground much of the year. So, Anyway, that's just one of the things you got to be scouting for, you got to be thinking about. Uh, but no, I don't think you're going to have a lot of damage there. Okay, uh, next one is from, uh, let's see, 
I don't even have a name here, but they're from the uh, they're from Central Texas. Anyway, they just said some ob- observations with my farm with K or potassium at one point two percent cation exchange capacity at about thirty five. Back in twenty sixteen, I calculated that I needed to add four hundred parts per million to reach the four percent base saturation K target that you guys talk about quite a bit. Well, since I couldn't, I, I didn't feel like I could afford that. Uh, I just started basically applying some potassium over the years. And now on a lot of my ground, I'm in the two and a half percent range, maybe three and a half percent, something like that. Uh, Anyway, he says here, overall by improving my K, I think my nitrogen utilization is much better and I can afford to work on improving micros and phosphorus as well. Great work uh, from down here in Central Texas, and I would never have gotten this information otherwise if it wasn't for you guys. Uh, okay, so we talk an awful lot about this potassium thing, and we really want to see 4 to 8% base saturation K. Well, if you have heavy soil, like this farmer's talking about here, 35 cation exchange capacity, that's very heavy ground, that means you've got a lot of holding capacity. That means you're going to need a lot of almost anything to really make a big change in your soil, especially when it comes to ratios, which is what base saturation is. It's a ratio of potassium to everything else. So anyway, it is difficult to, to, to feel like you can afford that. Now, for me, after I've been working on this for 20 years and we have a lot of experience, when we pick up new ground, I don't care if it's 35 CEC. I don't care if I have to put 400 parts per million of stuff out there, 800 pounds. I'll do it because I've seen it pay enough. But I'm I'm also not you know a young farmer. It's not my first year. I'm not going to go bankrupt by uh, you know spending a whole bunch of money on fertilizer on one field. So what his plan was is very good, and we've done that over the years too. Just keep working on a build program if you see you're low, and uh, usually you will turn out pretty well. All right. Well, we'll get back to more of your questions coming up right after this here on Ag PhD Radio. Every season, you try to raise the bar to achieve your best corn yield ever. But disease can stand in the way, like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, anthracnose leaf blight, and southern rust. New Delaro fungicide can stop them. Two different modes of action work on the diseases for the entire spray interval, delivering best-in-class dual-mode-of-action residual efficacy for extended performance. It's the help you need for personal best yields. Keep raising the bar with Delaro from Bayer. Always read and follow label instructions. Using NSERV Nitrogen Stabilizer with Fall Fertilizer Applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show NSERV delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERV is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. No one has to explain stress to a farmer. (laughs) That's like explaining wind shear to a pilot. Now, Mother Nature stresses corn the way markets, bankers, and politics can stress you. But there's a proven way to reduce stress. With Headline Amp Fungicide, you'll see the difference. It decreases stress from disease, drought, hail, and heat, so your corn can focus on what matters most, better yields. Talk to your local rep about Headline Amp Fungicide and BASF Plant Health. Always read and follow label directions. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program 
rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid can help you increase yields and crop quality. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Thanks for tuning in today to Ag PhD Radio. If you'd like to call in, we got just a little bit of time left. 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, we're going to get right back to the Ag PhD mailbag here. This one comes in from Josh, and uh, he said, well, basically, he sent us a picture of some wheat and said, I am wondering what's going on here. My local chemical fertilizer dealer didn't know what it was. At first, I thought it was chemical damage, but the last time we sprayed anything in this field or around it was early April. So I don't think it's chemical. Uh, look, Josh, our best guess, it's, I, I can't really tell for sure from the picture. Obviously, as an agronomist, it's always way easier when I'm actually in the field as opposed to looking at a picture. But anyway, we're, we're guessing mites. Okay, so if you've got a spider mite issue, then that's... Obviously, a, a it can be a real problem. One, one of the, the challenges, you know, we talk often about insect thresholds and economic thresholds, but I mentioned the key word there, insect. Okay, there are a lot of insect economic thresholds established. There aren't very many spider mite economic thresholds established. So what we often say is things like, okay, well, if you see a lot of spider mite damage, especially when you're, we're talking the ear leaf on corn, um, or you know, you're seeing a lot of, uh, high percentage on soybeans, high percentage on wheat, I, I don't have an exact thing in part because you can't just go out and count spider mites. They're very, very tiny and it's a real challenge. But anyway, yeah, we believe that this is spider mites. There are some things that can control spider mites, obviously, and it depends on where you are at in the United States. So depending on your crop, you could use bifenthrin. That'd be like capture or brigade. There's also lorsban or chlorpyrifos. Okay, so in the Midwest, for the most part, those two work pretty well. Unfortunately, in a lot of other areas in the United States, um, and uh, you know, even up in, into Canada a little bit, but we don't we don't see a lot of resistance with mites up there. Um, then you're looking at some other product. Maybe it's Zeal, Oberon, Onager, Comite. I mean, there are a bunch of other mite products. Unfortunately, they are much more expensive than what Bifenthrin and Lorsban are going to cost. And by the way, I, I would just say we see more spider mite issues as you go south. And the reason why is because spider mites like it hot and dry. When it's cool and especially damp, then a lot of mites will get a, a pathogen 
uh, on them. And we, we see much greater mortality of spider mites naturally. So anyway, generally speaking, we see more mite problems in it when it's hot and dry as opposed to when it is cool and wet. All right, uh, next one here is from Kurt. He said, what are your thoughts on spraying post-emerge Liberty Link soybeans with this mix? 15 gallons of water, 3 pounds of ammonium sulfate, 32 ounces of Liberty, a pint of dual magnum per acre. He said, this is my first year with Liberty soybeans, so any advice would be greatly appreciated. Uh, well, Kurt, I would say that sounds real good to me. The only thing that I will tell you is this. With Liberty in general, it can be pretty hot. When you throw the ammonium sulfate in, there are some people that even get a little nervous about that. I don't. Uh, you need the ammonium sulfate to make Liberty work better. I like your 15 gallons of water too, by the way. But the dual that you're throwing in there will heat up the Liberty a little bit. So I'm not saying not put it in there, but I am just saying you will see a little more leaf response when you put it in there. So that, that would be my one concern. And you can't spray super late with that dual. You got to keep that relatively early. Um, beyond that, use the right spray nozzle. If you've got something that is, let's say, an ultra low drift nozzle that you are also spraying dicamba with or uh, Enlist One with, well, that's not the right choice for the Liberty. So make sure you get, you have smaller droplets. We want better spray coverage. That is just a real key with Liberty. We aren't as worried about drift with Liberty. We are definitely worried, though, about coverage because Liberty doesn't translocate very well in that plant. You've got to get great spray coverage. All right, next one uh, asks, is all tile pipe good quality? And if so, who sells it? Well, <laughs> we're getting a lot of questions about tiling this year, as you can imagine. And by the way, I will say that's, you know, we always have to look as farmers on the bright side of things. So if this has been a challenging year for you, you haven't gotten some acres in, I mean, obviously I feel for you and it stinks and your year isn't going to be what you had dreamt it to be just probably even two months ago. But, you know, that's just that's what you got dealt. And that's just part of the thing as farmers. But if you want to look for a bright side, hopefully this will give you some opportunity to get some drain tile in the ground if you need to get that done. Um, so anyway, with tile pipe. Uh, for the most part, yeah, I, I, I can't say I've found any tile supplier out there that has bad quality pipe. You can just ask people, ask farmers around your area and see, but there are plenty of companies who sell drain tile pipe. And for the most part, yeah, it is pretty good quality. And I will say this too. Um, well, two things. Number one, there's, a, there is some recycled material that does go into this. So, yep, there can be a slight difference in quality. The more recycled material, it, it seems to me, just in my experience, a little bit greater chance for problems. But most of the companies, if you do have some problem or some break, they're going to take care of you. It's not like it's that big a deal. Uh, but anyway, what you're, what you're looking for out of that tile is to last 50 years, maybe even 100 years. We want it in there for a long time. So a very important thing is to put it in the ground correctly. In other words, uh, well, I'll just give you one example. Don't stretch that pipe when you're putting it in the ground. So that's why, like with a lot of the uh, tile plows, there will be little rollers to help roll the tile through and not uh, getting it caught from time to time. You just you want to make sure that you've got that uh, flowing smoothly because, yeah, if you start to stretch it, well, now you are weakening that tile pipe and it may not last as long as what you would like. 
All right, uh, let's see. Next one here is from Josh down in Nebraska, and he said, I had some beans that were planted at 155,000. Now my final stand is anywhere from 50 to 90,000. Uh, and we're suspecting group 15 damage from Outlook. Have you guys ever seen this in the past? Because what we had down was five ounces of verdict, an additional five ounces of Outlook. There is, by the way, Outlook in verdict, and then 16 ounces of Power Max. Okay, so first of all, the Power Max isn't going to hurt anything. The Sharpen, you're right at the edge. In that five ounces of verdict, you got one ounce of Sharpen, and that's it. So that that's uh, if you've heard of Kicksor, uh, Kicksor Sharpen, same thing. Anyway, um, that's right at the edge. That's a PPO. So that actually could potentially cause a little bit of injury. And your group 15 absolutely can cause a little bit of injury. Usually we don't see a whole lot of problem. But I, I'll be honest, I like the group 15 early post rather than pre-emerge. So anyway, for me, yeah, that's why we recommend the three pre's that we do all the time. You will note a group 15 is not in the three pre's. Again, I prefer it early post. If you need to use it, if you really feel you need to use Group 15 Pre, you certainly can. It's labeled and everything, and usually we don't see any problem. But yes, I have seen the exact issue that you're describing right here. Now, here's the good news. Even if, let's say, you plant it at 155, well, it, it was a cold year, and cold germ, uh, the standard for the industry is 80%. So 80% of 155, you're down to 120 roughly already. So you really only went from 120 to 90 on a bunch of it. It's not like it's that terrible. You're, you still should be able to get pretty good yield at 90. What I would look for is if you've got any really bad spots. So there might be a couple spots out in your field where you also had some flooding or you know something else, something else affecting that. But usually, well, I'll just tell you something my dad told me years ago when I was a kid even. And he goes, Brian, you always got to remember, Every herbicide will hurt your crop. Every herbicide in every application, it absolutely will hurt your crop. And I go, well, Dad, why would I ever spray a herbicide then? And he goes, well, the damage is usually very, very, very minute. Okay, But, you know, if you've got a whole bunch of other stress factors, yes, it can be worse. He said, magically, if we could get rid of all our weeds, we just wave the magic wand and they were all gone, well, that's when we'd have the best yield. But you can't do that. So, you know, there's always this balancing act in life. We've got, everything's a trade-off. And we want to spray the herbicide because that's typically when we are gaining the most yield. But every once in a while, we see something like this happen. And, you know, again, that's, that's why we recommend the things we do. I focus so much on crop injury as opposed to other things. But there are a lot of products labeled and you can do whatever you want to do on your farm. I'm just telling you from years of experience, I like the Group 15's early post. All right, last one comes in from, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Lilani from California, and she's got a picture of a weed here. I think it's mare's tail, and the best thing that you can do for mare's tail is probably to go spray a really high rate of 2,4-D, dicamba, something like that. So she's had a difficult time controlling that on the ranch, and I just say really high rate of 2,4-D, and you should be able to get it. All right, well, before we go, I just want to say thanks to our production staff, thanks to our guests and everybody who wrote in with questions today, and thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.